0: to Align Your Mind. My name is Chelsea Tanner. I'm a flutist and a mindset coach for musicians and I live in New York City so you might hear motorcycles or loud cars sometimes go by. Um, But today I want to talk about one way, one really fundamental way to become aware of your mindset. And this tool is super useful when starting to work on your relationship with your instrument and with your career and with yourself. So today we're going to start with the concept of thoughts and facts. So I think a lot of times we confuse thoughts and facts and what I mean by that is there are things that we take um, maybe opinions of others, maybe our own opinions, maybe our interpretations of things that happened to be factual and unchangeable. But it's really never the case if it's an opinion, right? So this is one of the first things that I teach my clients. And I have to say this one concept changed my life in so many ways, right? I think the first thing just as a personal example, I used thought work on was my relationship with my body. And if you have been a long time listener of this podcast, I've probably mentioned that once or twice. And I think that when we are separating thoughts and facts, it's really helpful to see how our brain's interpreting certain facts. So the fact is that I have a human body and my brain had a lot of thoughts about that. (laughs) It was too big, too small, too disproportional, blah, 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 right? Like all of these things are not facts even though our brains sometimes think they are. And when you're able to isolate the neutral fact in a situation you're able to gain awareness of what your brain is thinking about that situation and how that's impacting how you feel in that circumstance. So just a few examples here. A fact would be the sound waves that were created in a room, right? So that just happened. That is a fact. A thought would be, oh my gosh, it didn't go very well. It's not what I... could do in the practice room. Everyone's gonna be so disappointed in me. My teacher's gonna make me practice more now. Right, like we have all of these thoughts about the sound waves that happened in the room. And, you know, maybe another example here would be if you have an injury or you're playing with pain that you don't really have a handle on or maybe you can't play for very long I know that this is something a lot of people struggle with and having pain when you play is not good or bad it just is happening right but our brains tend to make it mean oh I'm less of a musician because I can't practice this much or I did something wrong or there's something wrong with me right all of those thoughts come up. None of those are facts. That's not the fact of the situation. It's just how our brain has been interpreting the fact. Now, another example of this would be the note I played didn't match the one on the page. I, I don't use the word mistake mostly because it's not a neutral fact for me. A mistake implies wrongdoing and I don't think that playing a note that didn't match the one on the page is wrong. (laughs) So um, it just happens, right? And when that happens, we could interpret that, have a thought like, oh, I made a mistake or oh, I can't do this or I'll never get this or I should be able to do this by now. That's a big one, (laughs) all of those thoughts, when you try all those thoughts on, how do they make you feel? That's what's really important here, right? So if we're able to see, okay, this happened and this is how my brain reacted, we're able to make different choices. We're able to see the patterns our brains have developed and then we're able to change them. So this is like step one for all thought work. Another example of this is they didn't pick me for an audition. That is a fact if that happened, right? If that happened, they didn't pick me. They picked someone else. And what our brains do with that fact is make it mean I am i wasn't good enough. And for some reason, that thought this outcome equals that thought and therefore it is factual. It's not factual, right? So just because someone didn't pick you for something does not mean you are not good enough to do the thing that they didn't pick you for. It doesn't mean that you're not good enough at your instrument. It doesn't mean you're not good enough for them. It doesn't mean any of that stuff. That's what our brains interpret, right? So when you can separate out, okay, they didn't pick me, Now, why do I feel like garbage? (laughs) Why do I feel shame? Why do I feel inadequate? Why do I feel all these things? It's because of what your brain is making that mean about you. So, I want you to sit with that for just a second. What is something that you have experienced that your brain has run with? It could have been a big rejection. I know this happened to me so many times and my brain just could not get over these thoughts and all of this stuff that kept coming up, that I wasn't good enough, that no one wanted wanted what I had to offer and that's what it meant and I, you know, I stewed in that for a very long time and when you're able to see, okay, that's not true inherently, that's not exactly right, I might believe it right now but it doesn't mean it's true. I want to make that distinction really clear. If you believe something, you'll probably have an emotional response to it. If you believe that you're not good enough, you have an emotional response to that. And if you feel like you're amazing at your instrument and you're so excited to share what you have to offer with people, that's actually going to feel really amazing, right? You can kind of test out to see what you believe based on how you're feeling. And if you're feeling really inadequate, then you're believing some thoughts that are making you feel inadequate. And it doesn't mean that you are inadequate, right? So I wanted to make sure that we covered that. Emotions are produced or created by our interpretation of what's going on and if our interpretation of what's going on is I'm never going to be good enough then we're probably going to feel pretty awful or on the other other side of things it could be that I absolutely loved how I played I loved how I represented myself and they didn't pick me and that's also an option so if you're stuck thinking a certain way, this is a great tool to get to know your patterns. And you can do this even for when you get feedback from a teacher or a mentor or anyone um, that is quote-unquote high status, status in the industry, right? I think that sometimes we take what people who have quote-unquote made it in the industry say to be fact, right? So if someone you really admire says that, you know, you're never going to make it unless X, Y, Z, then you take that to be fact. Like that's a really interesting thing to notice because it doesn't mean they don't know everything like, you know, literally they don't know everything. What worked for them isn't absolutely not going to be the same as what works for you because you're different people, right? So I always like to have sort of a filter when I, when I get feedback and think, okay, this is what this person heard. They thought something about my playing and they felt a certain way and that made them give me this feedback. And their feedback is just a fact. It's just a circumstance, right? So if you're going to separate thoughts and facts and you're doing that with feedback, you can either quote whatever the person said, if you remember word for word, or just say this person said words to me. And the reason I like to do this is because, yeah, this person said words to me, but what did my brain do with those words? Did they believe them? Did they run with them? Did they enhance them? Right? Like that's super good to know. So for example, if a teacher says you need to be practicing at least three hours a day, right? And maybe um, who knows in what context that person, that teacher said that. It doesn't really matter what matters is how you respond to it and a lot of people respond to that by saying oh my gosh I'm not doing enough I need to be doing more I'm I feel like I'm so inadequate I only practice two hours a day like I'm never going to be a real musician like I'm not even a real flute player right like all of this stuff comes up and I know it because I coach everyone on it right (laughs) and so if you take feedback just notice how your brain is interpreting it right like when a teacher said words to you or they gave you an assignment how many times have you thought oh I'm behind that means I'm behind because I I can't read rhythms very well and like I should be further along by now I mean I've definitely done it and It could even be someone's action, right, that you take as a fact. It could be someone coming to your concert or not coming to your concert, right? And then we have this whole narrative about what it means that they did or did not go to our recital and all of that stuff when really we have no idea unless we ask that person, unless we get some clarity, unless like X, Y, and Z, right? So if someone's actions or feedback or words has gotten to you in the past, just think about the fact that they said something and then your brain did what with it? Do they believe it, right? So really separating those things out and someone else's opinion is never a fact, There is no such thing as objectively good or bad, right? That is always subjective. Like when people say, oh my gosh, it's like objectively bad. It's like, no, it's not. (laughs) That is literally by nature subjective, right? So you cannot have an opinion be a fact ever. So the reason I say that is because sometimes we get feedback from really high-status people in our industry, and we take it to heart so much so that it's to our detriment. And I don't know how many of you have watched Gilmore Girls, but I love Gilmore Girls, and I grew up watching it. And and if you haven't seen it by now, it came out in like 2000. So spoilers ahead if you haven't seen it and don't want to ruin things. Just skip ahead like a few minutes. And there's a moment in one of the seasons when Rory interns at a newspaper and she thinks she's doing really well there. She feels very in her element. And then the guy in charge, Mitchum Huntsberger, he says, I have to talk to you. You know, you don't got it. Meaning you know, he's seen a lot of people come and go in the industry, and that she just doesn't have it, doesn't have the ability to be successful in the industry. And Rory takes this to be a fact, so much so that she steals a boat with her boyfriend, who happens to be that guy's son, right? Like, she... She steals a boat, and then she goes to jail, and it's a whole thing, and then she drops out of college. All because this person said a sentence to her, and her brain made it mean, I'm not good enough, I'm never going to make it. And of course, we look at that and say, like, what does he know? She's so smart, she's so capable, like... Why would she believe him? But I think we've all done this to an extent. We've all heard feedback that we've made mean, I can't do this because someone of high authority, quote unquote, in the industry said that I couldn't or that I didn't have it or that blah, blah, blah. Right. And it could be, it could have been like, a teacher, or a band director, or it could be a parent. I don't know. It doesn't doesn't matter who it was. Just notice if you've had a Rory Gilmer moment, where someone told you something similar, and did you believe them? And do you still believe them? Even if someone is an incredible musician. Their opinion is never fact. And I think it's really important to remember that there has been a culture of scaring students into practicing, putting students down in order to motivate them. And that sucks, right? Like, that's terrible. But why would someone do that Because it works in the short term. Right? For all we know, mitchum Huntsberger could have been, like, putting Rory down to make her work twice as hard. And he would have thought, oh, if she really has it, then she'll work twice as hard and not listen to me. But uh, we could really just avoid all of this. Right? (laughs) Like, there is a way to positively motivate people and empower people. Right? So people believing negative things about themselves in order to motivate themselves, that means they are practicing and believing these negative things in order to somehow work their way out of it, right? So that's practicing negative thoughts about yourself. And I don't need to explain practicing to any of you because you're all musicians practicing negative thoughts about yourself even if they're unintentional and even if it's for motivation will never yield positive results long term because you cannot insult yourself enough to have confidence confidence comes from how you think of yourself and if you practice thinking crappy thoughts about yourself you're not going to have confidence And what do we really want long-term, right? It might work to scare students into practicing, to say that there's no jobs and you have to outwork everybody and this person's working harder than you and blah, blah, blah. Like that might work for the four years they're in school or two years they're in school. But what about afterward? Students learn to motivate themselves the way their teachers motivate them largely, is what I've observed. And I think that it's our responsibility as teachers to get creative about positively motivating students and how to do that from a place of, of love and holding space for the human in front of you. And what we really want long-term right? We, we might want the job. Yeah, sure. But what will the job do for us? I mean, financial security, it'll make us feel secure. It'll make us feel validated. It'll make us feel established. It'll, well, we think like it'll do all these things, but what we're really after is the emotion that we think it will afford us. We think we'll be happy when we win a job. We think we'll feel accomplished. We think, oh, well, I won't feel inadequate anymore, right? Because, Then I'll have a job. But feeling inadequate is not caused by the circumstance of not having a job. It's caused by how you think of yourself. It's caused by the thoughts you think about the facts. So if your facts, your circumstances in your life change, and your thoughts don't, and you get that job but your thoughts don't change, and you've been putting yourself down, well, that's a recipe for feeling some imposter syndrome-type feelings, right? Because you're still going to feel like you're not good enough, but you've landed in this job, and it's just going to feel bigger. So you don't have to win a big job to feel adequate or established or secure. You can do that in other ways, but I, I really want to dispel the myth that like, oh my gosh, it's, it's only the only road is to play in an orchestra or be a professor or do whatever, because there are different ways to satisfy your emotional well-being without winning that big job. Now, to turn this into a bit of a journaling exercise for you, um, what you want to do when you journal about this, and I highly recommend anything you're struggling with, writing down, okay, this thing happened, or this person's acting this way, or this performance happened, right? Those are neutral facts. Or like, this person is existing, right? Like, that's a neutral fact. Or I saw this block of text on my computer. Or I, right, Something very neutral and then write down all your thoughts about it and what you're making it mean about you or why it's a problem that there's a block of text on a computer screen or what that fact means about your life, your goals, your career, your playing, anything like that. So you can get really clear on how your brain is thinking because we don't question it a lot of the time. And it's so important to do so. So I hope that you're able to separate your thoughts and your facts because that will give you so much awareness moving forward. And there's so many ways to move forward with this, with this awareness and um, with these tools. And if you're interested in taking this work further, I have a 30 day one-on-one coaching program where we coach every week. You get Voxer access whenever you have a question or an update or you need to be coached on something or something's happened, right? You, We get 30 days together to really hone in on these tools. This is just part of one basic thing that I explained in the first session. And so there's so much more to work on. But if you want to change your relationship to your instrument, if you want to feel differently about you know, one of these facts that has happened in the past and you want to move past it, this is absolutely for you. So I, um, I hope that you sign up for a preliminary coaching call. The link is in the show notes and I hope you have a beautiful week.